0: Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I am your host, James Dorsey. At the very outset of the 21st century, Osama bin Laden, wittingly or unwittingly, positioned himself with the 9-11 attacks as one of its most important figures. The attacks initially served to undermine multicultural policies, in relatively ethnically and religiously homogeneous European societies, which struggled with migration from other continents, ethnicities, and religious backgrounds. The legacy of the attacks has brought identity politics back to the fore, not only in the West, but also in Africa and Asia. In doing so, the attacks reshape global politics and attitudes towards large numbers of people fleeing political and economic collapse as the other, instead of viewing them as victims of misconceived Western policies that backfired in countries governed and mismanaged by corrupt politicians and political and economic structures. Scholar and Wall Street Journal columnist Walter Russell Mead warns that identity wars and conflicts based on differences in ethnicity, culture, language, or religion are once ignited the most powerful forces in human affairs. Alongside the return of great power competition, the eruption of identity politics is the single most consequential consequential political feature of our time. This fateful combination does not bode well, Mr. Mead says. He points to a host of identity-driven conflicts that fractured Syria, Yemen, Iraq, and Lebanon, spawned Iranian Arab, Kurdish, Azeri, and Baloch separatist movements, encouraged Russian revisionist nationalism in Ukraine and the Caucasus, enabled cultural genocide in northwest China, and boosted populist and far-right sentiment in Europe and the United States. Two decades after 9-11, The United States, drained by forever wars, appears less willing to stand up firmly for its values, while rising powers like China have little interest in what happens to multi-ethnic, multi-religious nations. Sabina Kudic, a Bosnian parliamentarian, worried about the threat of the bosnia herzegovina Federation fracturing into separate Bosnak, Serb, and Croatian states. Mrs. Judith suggests that with all the deserved criticism and analysis of the American foreign policy of the past decades, we will live to regret the decline of American ambition. The fallout resulting from changed attitudes was evident in the West's recent failure to anticipate mass movement towards Kabul airport in the wake of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the Taliban takeover of the country. The West's initial hesitancy to respond to the plight of those cooperating with Western forces and institutions in the last two decades compounded these failures. It is almost as if Bin Laden anticipated U.S. President Joe Biden's stumble when he ordered al-Qaeda in 2010 to target then-President Barack Obama on a visit to Afghanistan, but not Mr. Biden, his vice president, Mr. Bin Laden predicted that the reason for concentrating on them is that Obama is the head of infidelity and killing him automatically will make Biden take over the presidency for the remainder of the term, as it is the norm over there. Biden is totally unprepared for that post, which will lead the U.S. into a crisis. The West's us led failures while existing, exiting Afghanistan undermined two decades of multiculturalism and open borders, and further empowered populist and right-wing anti-migration and pro-nationalist forces in Europe, as well as the United States, Asia, and Africa, particularly against Muslims, Jews, and people of color, and nationalism laced with supremacism. Western democracies pay the price with the brutalization of debate and dialogue, the abandonment of civility and etiquette, and expressions of racist, Islamophobic, and anti-Semitic attitudes becoming less socially taboo and more mainstream. Journalist and author Spencer Ackerman argues that of all the endless costs of terrorism, the most important is the least tallied. What fighting it has cost our democracy. How like America, it is not to recognize that the true threat, was counterterrorism not terrorism. Mr. Ackerman suggested his latest book, Reign of Terror, How the 9-11 Era Destabilized America and Produced Trump, that the global war on terrorism, with its associated use of torture, mass surveillance, militarism, and authoritarianism, created an environment that catered to Mr. Bin Laden's vision of undermining Western ideals and sowing disarray. Matt Duss, Two-time presidential two candidates, Senator Bernie Saunders' foreign policy advisor, concluded that the anti-Muslim discourse that arose in the wake of 9-11 was a vector through which open racism and open bigotry were smuggled back into the mainstream of American politics. I think it normalized these sorts of claims about different groups of people, immigrants, Latinos, Asians, black people, or others. Changed attitudes have made Western societies more vulnerable to intolerant, anti-pluralistic and counter-revolutionary machinations by countries like the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Alarmed by the strength of political Islamic groups such as the Muslim Brotherhood in the wake of the 2011 popular revolts, the Gulf states had little compunction about fueling anti-Muslim sentiment in Western countries, including France and Austria to counter Islamists and their backers Turkey and Qatar. Anti-Muslim sentiment is bolstered by the lack of support from Saudi Arabia and the UAE, as well as much of the rest of the Muslim world for persecuted Muslim communities, such as the Uyghurs in China, the Rohingya in Myanmar and Bangladesh, and Muslims in India-administered Kashmir. Saudi Arabia and the UAE promote their socially more flexible but autocratic versions of a moderate interpretation of Islam that preaches absolute obedience to the ruler. The two states use their interpretations to protect themselves as leaders of moderation in the Muslim world, in which they compete for religious soft power with one another, as well as with Turkey, Qatar, Iran, and Indonesia, the world's most populous Muslim-majority country. Gulf scholar Andreas Krieg asserts that the UAE's narrative was purposefully designed to appeal to a Western, particularly American, audience in the aftermath of 9-11. The Islamist surge during the Arab Spring and the rise of the Islamic State. Yet for Abu Dhabi, its crusade against Islam in the political space has another, more sinister objective, depoliticizing civil society, while monopolizing social political power and authority in the hands of the state. Mr. Creed could just as well have been speaking about Saudi Arabia. The irony is that religious soft power rivals unwittingly reinforce each other's efforts. Emirati and Saudi encouragement of Islamophobia in cooperation with populists and Europe's far right strengthens Iranian revolutionaries and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Mr Erdogan projects himself as a pious leader who defends the rights of marginalized diaspora communities that hail from black Turks at home who have been disenfranchised by the Kemalist Turkish elite while Iran claims to represent the struggle of the downtrodden and disenfranchised the populists and right-wing nationalists in Europe and elsewhere are the perfect foil for Mr Erdogan in turn Mr. Erdogan's calls on the Turkish diaspora to reject assimilation is fodder for the very groups Mr. Erdogan ostensibly opposes. Political scientist Thomas Schmidingle said that ultimately these two are right wing currents that profit from each other. Turkish nationalism colored by Islamism on the one hand, and anti Islamic, anti Turkish racism which is spread throughout Europe and Austria in particular on the other. Mr. Schmidinger was discussing the situation in Austria that serves as an example that repeats itself across Europe, in which the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey wage covert campaigns against one another. Mr. Bin Laden must have a grin on his face as the scene unfolds in Europe and the United States, irrespective of whether the former leader of al-Qaeda, is looking at the world from above or from down under. He may bemoan the plight of Muslims in much of the world, but the disarray in the West is probably greater, in part thanks to his lethal handiwork, than he probably would have accomplished in his most imaginative dreams. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.